Welcome to Science Talk, the weekly podcast of Scientific American, posted on July 10th, 2009. I'm Steve Mursky, and I've got a special multi-part podcast for you about the very smart people over at Blue Sky Studios. A few weeks back, I got a phone call from a podcast listener named Hugo Ayala. He said he worked at Blue Sky, and they had made a movie called Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, and that maybe I'd like to come by and see what the production people were up to. At first, I thought it was a small documentary house or something. But as we spoke, I realized I was talking to somebody from the outfit that makes the wildly successful Ice Age series of animated movies, featuring the voices of, well, I'll, I'll let the deep voice guy tell you. Ray Romano. He'll bounce back. It's one of the advantages of being said. John Leguizamo. Huh? Dennis Leary. For the record, I blame you for this. And Queen Latifah. Ellie, talk to the trunk. Scrat. And introducing Scratay. So I went up to Blue Sky Studios in nearby Greenwich, Connecticut, spent the whole day there, and spoke to a lot of very interesting scientists. In this first part of the podcast, you'll hear two of the founders of the company, Carl Ludwig and Eugene Trubetskoy. And then we'll talk to Hugo Ayala. In upcoming parts, we'll talk to all the science guys on the R&D team and the director of the third part of the Ice Age series, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, which is now playing everywhere. In part one, the first voice you'll hear is Carl Ludwig. We've been around since 1987, and we worked together at a company called Magi, and uh, they were one of the pioneers in, in computer animated movies and, because we worked on Tron. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> at that time, and Eugene had been there for quite a while, he, he, they did nuclear research, right, Eugene? That's correct. Magi was, was the, the, where the foundations of ray tracing began. That was a seminal paper by Goldstein and Nagel that was written back at Magi. Ray tracing, you'll have to explain to me. Well, ray tracing is a rendering technique which simulates the way light really works, except it's in reverse. Rays are fired from the camera, and intersections are calculated with the geometry. Once that intersection is calculated, a normal is computed. And then, you know, based on material characteristics and stuff, and locations of light sources, a computation is made to determine how much light is coming from that object mm-hmm. as opposed to the standard uh, technique, the other technique which is a scanline renderer which um, you know, basically calculates the uh, intersection of a, of, a, of a line, a plane with, with various patches mostly polygons so it came from the idea that uh, you guys were doing nuclear shielding studies, right? Uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes, we're doing nuclear shielding studies, uh, again applying a ray tracing approach, uh, following neutrons, originated either from a nuclear reactor or from an atomic bomb, and uh, calculating the effects. Uh, <clears throat> now the similarity with, uh, with uh, computer graphics uh, is uh, very clear, but Instead of following neutrons, we can follow photons uh, from the camera uh, to uh, the scene and uh, 
computer response, uh, uh, a visual, in this case, a visual response. Yeah, uh, Phil Middleman, who was the uh, president of Magi, I, I guess he was the one who originally had the concept of, why don't we, why don't, to, to, to visualize this stuff, why don't we pretend these are photons? I don't, I don't know if he was the one or not, but that's the story I heard. Uh, somebody had the idea. <laughs> this is uh, Louis de Broglie <laughs> coming to life to make cartoons. Well, I'm a student of Louis de Broglie. Were you literally his student? I am literally his student in, in Paris. Uh, wow. Um, well, Prince, Prince Louis de Broglie. Yeah, Nobel laureate. And by the way, this is Prince Eugene Trebetsky. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, I was at the University of Paris, uh, and uh, I took a, a course of uh, given by him on, on quantum mechanics. And uh, it was uh, a very small class of uh, maybe a dozen people and extremely interesting uh, discussions. If I remember correctly, the Broglie... Uh, said if you can treat photons in a certain way, there's no reason you can't treat electrons in the same way. It's the most basic picture of his work. Yeah, well, uh, his his main contribution was breaking up with with the classical approach, the Newtonian approach, and and he he was just introducing quantum mechanics, wave mechanics, as as he called it. My other recollection is that. His professors didn't quite know what to make of his doctoral thesis, and they asked Einstein to look at it. And he said, yeah, this looks pretty good, and he got his doctorate. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I didn't know him at the time. Sure. He was a student, but I heard stories that uh, uh, people were not trusting uh, uh, him uh, in the beginning. Well, my mind is sufficiently blown for the day. <laughs> this is where it all began, you know, with these ideas. So the work on Tron was taking place, and then the 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 company had these great ideas of expanding the business, but the industry wasn't really ready for it yet. So that part of the company folded, um, and uh, it was bought by another company, and then that folded. But by this time, we had all these good ideas of what we wanted to do. So one day, we got together at Eugene's house, and we decided, well, let's give this a shot ourselves. And there were six of us mm -hmm. that began. And we started off in a little three-room office in Briarcliff Manor um, and uh, started writing software. We bought a couple of Sun 350s at Carnegie Mellon because one of the guys was teaching there and um, started writing the software. And in the fall of 1987, the stock market crashed. Right. So, at 20, so our ideas of getting money from somebody else disappeared. So this was all our own money, what we had. And we decided we were going to run out, and we had to find a way to make some money. So we started doing commercials. And we uh, kept ourselves barely alive doing commercials. But slowly the business began to expand. We hired a couple of people and we built it up and we had a commercial business where we were doing commercials and, and the, you know, was always very well received. And then 
we wanted to get into the movie business, but always with animation in mind because one of the founders, Chris Wedge, was an animator and he wanted to, to push that. So we started, our first movie I think was Joe's Apartment, mm -hmm. which was an MTV film. We did all the roaches. Uh, and it was kind of fun project and it looked great. Um, and then we started getting movie work from L.A. We started doing things like we had all the aliens and, and alien resurrection and stuff like mm. that. We started doing all of that. And one of the advantages we had is we could go to the set and put up a couple of spheres on the set, one chrome sphere, one white sphere, see where the lights were coming from, come back to the studio and set up the lights just the way they were set on on the set. And because it's a very physical way to render, it would match perfectly. Um, so that began to, to take off, and we started building the company, and we were about, what, 60 people or so, right? Something like that. And then we got to the point where Chris wanted to do this short. So we did an, a, um, a short with the help of, at the time, Deck. They, they lent us some computing equipment. We did an animated short, completely rendered with radiosity. And when we showed it um, at the Academy uh, presentation, uh, it was like something no one had ever seen. Plus, it was a great little story, and it was great animation. And we won an Oscar. And we won when we won the Oscar, that caught the attention of 20th Century Fox, and they began to express interest in the company. So little by little, you know, we got together, and we didn't know whether we wanted to sell it or not, but hanging by our fingernails for so long, our hands were getting tired, so we, we decided we would do it, and it would give us an entry into to, 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 uh, making animated movies. And the short that won the Oscar was? Bunny. Right, which is included in the DVD of the first Ice Age movie, yes, right? Yes, I think yeah. it is. Yes, yeah, that's it's correct. It's a very moving little cartoon. Yes, it's it's absolutely uh, incredible, and and it was a real real high point for us. So that's is it pejorative if I refer to it as a cartoon. No, no, you can refer to it as a cartoon if you like. Uh, you know, some people would call it an animated short or whatever, but only if you want to differentiate between the standard hand drawn stuff and uh and you know it's kind of like calling fantasia a cartoon right uh, it, there's a little bit of difference <laughs> okay and uh, and now in addition to the ice age films what are some of the other big projects that people may have heard of well there's the ice age films there's horton here's a who there's robots um and that's about that's about the size of it and there's there's one we're working on now a couple more down the road that are a little different. So, is this mostly hard work and a little bit of fun, or is it mostly fun and a little bit of hard work? I'd say it's actually mostly both. Uh, it is hard work, uh, but be when you have passion for what you do, which most of the people in this building do, even though it's hard work, it's fun. It's enjoyable, and it's always a challenge. And we love challenges, and we love solving problems. And the, the, is it the verisimilitude that you're able to achieve because of the, the ray tracing that was never possible in animation before? Is that what makes it just sort of jump off the screen? Well, it makes it easier for us to enrich the imagery. It's a, if we have a concept or we want to render something and give it a richer feel, 
it's it's very easy for us to do that. And there's lots of things that that we have at our disposal because we do work very the, the, it behaves very similar to the way light really is manifests itself. So a lot of the physical characteristics like diffusion or things like that you can really carry forward effectively. And the the practical outcome of that is when you say richness there's more density of information in a given area not really it's not the density it's it's the quality uh you know the way something looks you know i have this little cube here that's somewhat translucent and it's got these beautiful characteristics when you look at it you can see that you know not only the, the light diffuse through it but the corners are dark mm-hmm. And in a cloud, you have the same sort of thing where the edges, even though it's very bright white, always have a, a little darkness to them because there's not enough material around there to diffuse a lot. So capturing images like that and being able to render them correctly is far easier for us, I think. What do you like about this as opposed to nuclear physics? Uh, well, nuclear physics, uh, I, I was applying it to either nuclear reactors or to the bomb, and uh, neither of them is popular these days, uh, whereas computer graphics is uh, popular, <coughs> and uh, I enjoyed my work uh, in uh, nuclear physics and enjoy the work here in uh, computer graphics. Well, I'm sure the the especially the children, but even their parents when they go to see these films, and they're for, you know, I, I really enjoy them as a, as a semi-adult myself, but they have no idea that the technology originated, I had no idea, with the, the science that you need to understand to do nuclear physics. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's the way we started, but there are other people, uh, computer graphics uh, specialists who started a different way. I mean, we just wanted to do computer graphics, and uh, and the approaches are, are rather different. Uh, so we, we learned from our experience, and uh, I think we learned the right things, um, like ray tracing, the importance of ray tracing. Next up is Hugo Ayala. Hugo, tell me about what you do here and, and how your your MIT training prepared you for it. I spent a lot of time with the FX group. Um, my background is in fluid mechanics, so I work a lot on the tools that they use for doing simulations. Um, every once in a while, though, in order to really get the simulation out of the computer... You need tools to input the data, to output the data. And my background is also in creating workflows to speed up the amount of time, well, to speed up the amount of work that uh, one person can do, simplified user interfaces, um, studying everything from the time that data is born till it is finally rendered and try to minimize the steps that a human has to intervene. So I I do a lot of sort of workflow analysis and repair throughout the studio. Um, you, you have a doctorate from MIT in mechanical engineering. Yes, I do have a doctorate. I worked on bulldozers and seals for bulldozers. Well, that's really interesting. So your the, what, your thesis, your doctoral thesis, was 
soil ingestion of elastomeric seals. And this had to do with the way that, you know, big caterpillar equipment winds up picking up soil particles and how it gets, how it gums up the works, really. The, um, mostly in bulldozers. Bulldozers are big, large pieces of equipment that are used in mines. And the dirt and soil gets ingested into their tracks that in causes the tracks to wear. And the primary cause of uh, tracks failure is for the tracks to basically break apart. Um, and this all, of course, starts with the dirt gets in. Uh, my contribution to this field was figuring out that it's the clay, you know, which is you don't really think of as a, 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 a erosive particle. But the problem is that the clay particles are so small, they sneak in through the seal barrier and they gum up the oil and that causes then the oil or the seal to start separating and dry up and then letting in more other more aggressive uh, or abrasive particles in. My contribution was to design a way for the to disturb the way that the clay was getting into the seals so that it wouldn't gum up as as quickly and so that the seals last longer because it takes longer for the seals to dry out and for um, further material to get in and for the oil to leak out, which really is the failure mechanism. Your discoveries were put to practical effect. Yeah, and the Caterpillar is manufacturing, you know, seals that have these ridges in them, which we design, you know, me and my advisor and co-advisor and other research people in my group. Um, those, are, those are being built by Caterpillar. And you told me earlier they last much longer than new seals? Um, our tests showed that they can last up to eight times longer. So that's a pretty big deal in the, uh, in that world. It, they're happy with it. That's good. So you wind up working here and you wind up going Hollywood. I always wanted to, I think, you know, for a long time I wanted to be in the storytelling business. Um, and, but I knew that, um, I wanted sort of to take a science, uh, part of it. I always, every time I went to movies, you know, my interest, maybe since I was a little kid, was in fluids. And there was one class in school that I never had to study for. It was fluid mechanics. And um, But every time I go see a movie, I will see some effect that just seemed off because in my in my head it just seemed wrong. Um, and I knew that that's the kind of thing that I wanted to do. Um, so uh, that's how I ended up here. So your specialty here is in addition to the, the whole workflow, is to figure out ways with software, to design software that makes the kind of fluid dynamics, cloud motion or, or water flow, look more real. The, originally, that's why I came here. The Right now, I don't design as much of that software because there are versions of that software available uh, in in the market that do a lot of that stuff. Um, most of my role now in the area of fluid mechanics is really to be an, as an advisor for people who use the software, you know, who run the simulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone will come to me. My favorite example is someone came to me and said, I have this scene, all these bubbles are coming to the surface. It looks wrong. And I tell them, and, you know, after looking at it for a second, I think you need the bigger bubbles to move faster going up because they have they displace more water, they have higher buoyancy, they go up. So that's the kind of thing that I'm sort of trained to see. And I can advise a lot of the effects people uh, on how to improve their shots uh, a lot of times. And I will show you 
um, for this next coming movie for Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs, uh, I implemented the software for all the lava that you see in the film. Uh, not only did I do the software, I actually did the artistic side of it in terms of putting it together, me and a group of, uh, you know, with the collaboration of other departments. So sometimes I do get to write the software and use it. Uh, but most of the time now, I'm just really consulting with other uh, FX TDs, with other people. Did you go back and, and study the way lava flows? Because it doesn't flow the same way as water flows. Is the surface tension is completely different, all that kind of thing? The I think the viscosity is sort of like the primary thing. Like water, when it goes around an obstacle, you would get the the water nearby doesn't get displaced as much. But in lava, because it's high, it has high viscosity, a lot of lava sort of moves when it's going around an obstacle. So that was one of the things that I worked on. And I also did the footprint software. There wasn't any good software that we could use that from beginning to end would cover the ability to make footprints. There are a lot of very important plot points in the movie where the, you know, the fact that you see footprints is important. So I created, you know, the simulation code that makes the footprints that makes them look realistic and that allows all the effects tds to actually create them quickly from beginning to end there's a place in the movie where the characters come up on some footprints and the sculpting department was going to sculpt in those footprints but they found the footprints that were made by my software to look more realistic so they just put one of my footprints in there that's cool yeah well, that's it for part one. Stay tuned for the rest of the series on Blue Sky Studios coming your way very soon. I'm Steve Mursky.